0: I'm Sonia Morton-Firth, and you're tuned in to The Sonia Morton-Firth Show. Today, my guest is Simon Squibb, entrepreneur, angel investor, mentor, and podcast host.
1: I felt those superpowers. I didn't actually feel fear. Partly, I wanted to prove my mother wrong. You know, there was also that element that wouldn't allow me to be so fearful that I would go and be, um, you know, I would be submissive to what my parents or in this case, my mother wanted me to do.
0: Retired at 40 after selling his digital media agency to PwC, Simon is now on a mission to help 1 million people to start their own businesses and never feel like they're on their own.
1: I didn't want to sell it and I think for me the key was always to build a business that I love and when I didn't love it anymore, the reason I could do 18 companies is I then bring in someone else to run it. Simon,
0: it's such an honour to have you here in my home. I've got to say, I'm really excited because this is one of my first face-to-face interviews, well, it is the first face-to-face interviews since the whole lockdown thing. So it's lovely to see you, Likewise. to have somebody here in yeah. person. And
1: having met you on Zoom before, uh, yeah. it's so nice to meet the real person. And, I know, and, and isn't it? we can get back to that now that the lockdown's coming to an end.
0: And I, I can't wait. I really can't wait. And, I, and listen... I've been reading up about you and I can't wait to get into your business and how you're helping so many people at the moment. Um, But before we do that, I think I want to delve a little bit into who Simon is, mm. and how you started, where you started, wh- why an entrepreneur, what, what gave you your passion to become an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, it, I, I love entrepreneurship, just to say first up, right? it's one of those things that I've absolutely fallen in love with in my life, but I really didn't think I was going to be an entrepreneur. I can remember at 12 years old, someone asking me, what do you want to be when you grow up, which is that typical question, and I said a lawyer, which looking back at my 12-year-old self, it's, it, it's first of all, it's not me, and, and where did that come from? And I think a lot of our uh, subconscious thinking in our lives comes from the zero to seven years old. So my parents, it turned out my parents wanted me to be a lawyer, right? So in my subconscious brain, my actions were I wanted to be a lawyer, but that wasn't really what I wanted. That wasn't really what I was designed to do. But I didn't know that until 15, when my father suddenly uh, passed away of a heart attack. And uh, I was suddenly thrown into a very strange situation where I lost my father... And three weeks later, I had a massive argument with my mother, who was clearly uh, upset and emotional having lost her husband, but I was clearly upset and emotional having lost my father, and we had a major fallout. And you know that line that every kid's probably heard, where the parents says, it's my way or the highway? Well, I left and went the highway route. Oh, wow. Um,
0: So, So your dad had literally just died. Yes. And then you were kicked out yeah.
1: of yeah yeah and so my mum uh, kicked me out of home to uh, control me frankly and to get me to do what she wanted to do um, it's a long complicated story and there's always two sides to every story course, right so she course. has her side but but my side is I was 15 years old suddenly found myself out on the streets and it was a really strange sensation because of course I wasn't ready for that complete change yeah. I had three brothers so suddenly I had no brothers around me I had no father around me, had no mother around me, after having 15 years of, frankly, a really well-loved life, and a well-thought-out, uh, I guess, life, where you know, I had a, a warm place to sleep every day of my life, food every day whenever I needed it as a, as a child, and so suddenly I find myself out there in the world. And, but it, it, in a weird twist, um, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And at the time I was very upset, of course, very resentful of my mother, um, and I would say our relationship has never actually repaired fully from it, but, uh, but equally I kind of thank her for doing it because it woke me up to the real world. And actually it did a really weird thing. It woke up a muscle in my brain I didn't know I had, and this entrepreneurial muscle in my brain. Survival was an incredible motivator. So, so you
0: literally, I mean, you had nothing. Nothing, and you just lost your father. Exactly. So you're presumably going through the pain of of, of losing, yep. your, you know, your father. Yeah. I mean, what did you do? What?
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, first of all, I, I I cried every night for about two weeks. Um, if I'm being honest, just kind of kind of adjusting to this new world I suddenly found myself in. I um, frankly became quite humble quite quickly Uh, i was a 15 year old i was quite confident but suddenly realizing the other side of life you know what it's like to sleep on the streets what it's like for people that are sleeping on the streets and and i but i also had this i guess this upbringing that wasn't anything to do with that Um, both my parents were actually entrepreneurs so they wanted me to be a lawyer but partly because they thought the entrepreneur life was was a tough one but i'd seen Uh, things that that, that made me feel excited uh, about entrepreneurship but I wasn't really seeing myself as an entrepreneur but long story short, survival mode kicked in and I literally this muscle in my brain woke up and I said right, I can't live like this and two things happened to me at this moment one, social services in England for those listeners of yours that don't know there's a system in England, social service (laughs) system that doesn't really want a 15 year old uh, to be homeless um, so they kindly offer uh, to help me and they said well we'll give you 150 pounds a week Simon you know you don't have to live this way and you know this is not right and and but I um there was something about that kind of social services offer that didn't sit well with me and at the same moment as social services offered me this money um, but the key to the money was and it's still true today for social services you're not allowed to work I'm not allowed to go and do something I've got to literally sit at home because if I go earn money, first of all, I didn't have a national insurance card, but the social service system says I can't pay you money and you're going earning money, doing part-time work or whatever it might be, the social system doesn't allow that. Even today it doesn't allow that. It doesn't allow people that are taking social benefits. So
0: so basically what you end up doing is being on benefit or and not working. Exactly, you fall into
1: a trap. It, and in my view, it's a very similar trap to a job you don't love, um, but it's a trap. It's a different type of trap. But something in me... Uh, i just discovered this idea of starting a business. I'd walked past someone's house. They had a big house. I was living originally in Cambridge, that's where my family were based. Saw this big house, and they had a really messy garden. And this is where I knew something had changed in me because normally I'd walk past a house like that and not think twice. But I walked past this house, and this muscle in my brain had woken up, this survival thing. And I said, why is that garden messy? And they've got a nice house. It's a valuable house. And I thought, maybe they need someone to take care of their garden. Maybe they'll pay me to take care of their garden. So 15 years old, no company brochure, no website, no no Were you nothing. You left school? I w- I left school. So I had you no left choice. School I'd as left well. school as well. So all my school friends listening to this podcast today will tell you I just suddenly was not at school anymore. Very strange, but I lost contact with everyone. And I I basically so Basically
0: you you left or lost everything that society, I guess we we've got in our mind. Yeah. A family yep. first of all, your home. Yep. And your schooling, your education. Yeah.
1: Frankly, every possession, everything, nothing, zero. You start with zero. But you know, it is an amazing thing to start with zero. There's a couple of reasons it's good. One is, you've got nothing to lose. That's true. Right? I actually tell people when they start businesses, act like you've got nothing to lose if you really want to be successful.
0: Were you frightened? I mean, as a 15, year if you remember, going back that, I mean, as a 15-year-old, did you feel any
1: fear? I didn't feel fear. I, I felt almost, and this is another thing I, I believe with all my heart, Fear is actually um, a good thing. Fear was originally designed to make us survive. So, a lion's coming towards us, fear would make us think faster, act faster. It's like an adrenaline rush, actually. Fear is better described as an adrenaline rush, right? You get superpowers. I felt those superpowers. I didn't actually feel fear. Partly, I wanted to prove my mother wrong. You know, there was also that element that wouldn't allow me to be so fearful that I would go and be, um, you know, I would be submissive to what my parents, or in this case, my mother, wanted me to do. And, and I felt like, right, this is my chance. And fear fed me some superpowers. And that's when I thought, right, now I'm going to survive. I'm going to fight. And I knocked on this door, this first house, and just said to this person who answered the door, like it was yesterday, I remember it like it was yesterday, Hi, my name's Simon Squibb. I've got a gardening company. And would you like me to take care of your garden? And they said, yes, sure, how much? And I just was kind of wow. like, okay, um, I just picked a number. £250 a month. And they're like, sure, let's give it a go. I'll give it to you for a month and see how you do. I was like, wow. And I, I walked away just thinking, what just happened? I, I, In theory, forget cash flow, but in theory, I've just, you know, I've just made £250, right? An idea in my head to reality. And that's when that entrepreneurial muscle just started to flex again. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow. So, but then I, as I walked down the path, I realised that one garden, probably there's more. So I went and knocked on 110 houses that one Saturday, I remember it like it was yesterday, Asking that same question and every time I knocked on a house, even with rejection, I learned something. People would say no and I'd say why and they'd say I've got someone else already doing it. And I'd be like, oh, but are they doing a good job? Are you happy? And they'd give me feedback on the competitor and sometimes they'd say, well, you know, why would I use you and not them? And I'd say, well, you know, maybe I'm, I'm a little bit, I can be a little bit cheaper. And I did price discovery because then I found out I'd undercharged the first house I knocked on because the average going rate was £400 a month, not 250 and I learned that by knocking on all these doors. So you're learning these great sales
0: skills that, yep. you are, that in a normally day. you're taught in, in a various day. courses. People
1: will sell you a business course. I, I would say, you know, you can go on a two-year business course or do what I did. Within three weeks of this gardening company idea, what happened was the first day I got all the clients. I got 11 people to say yes to me being their gardening company. Then I got back to my slum I was living in by this point. I would found a, like a squat to live in. I basically realised I don't have the money to buy the equipment to do the work I just want, right? So I had the brainwave to go back on the Sunday and knock on the door of the 11 people that had said yes. I'd written on a bit of paper what I was going to do for them and asked them to sign it. And I said, can I get a 50% deposit? And they gave me the cash. No registered company, no company brochure, no website, none of this stuff, right? And they gave me the cash... Now, to me, that was a huge amount of money. But to the person giving it to me, giving me £150 I trust as well.
0: But I mean, they were probably you, looking at me like, yeah. you know,
1: young kid coming to wash cars or do yeah. gardens, Give him a break, right? Mm. They gave me the money. All 11 people gave me the deposit. And then I took that money and I went and bought a lawnmower and a few bits of equipment. And the following week, as I went to go and do the gardens and started taking care of the gardens, you know, my, these hands have actually never done those hard work in their life except this one day when i did the first garden so so you
0: actually did i did the first garden and
1: i realized that i was not capable of doing the gardens on my own Mm -hmm. and how much work it actually was so that night i went back to the slum i was still living in and in this slum was nine other people all of them that needed to earn money right so i said to them look do you want to come and do some part-time work i'll give you cash (laughs) which is probably totally illegal but i gave them cash and said look you know come and help me do the gardens within three weeks I actually, by that point, had 20 clients. I had cash flow, money coming in. I had the equipment paid for and had four people working for me, helping me do the gardens. So what takes people, I guess, you know, a business course that they take or an MBA when they're later in their lives, I did it in three weeks. The whole thing I learned. And of course, don't get me wrong, I made so many mistakes. I bought the wrong lawnmower. I bought the wrong equipment. I didn't do employment contracts with people. But it didn't really matter because I built a company in three weeks from my mind to reality. And that gave me the, no, the knowledge, this kind of realisation that I don't need to get a job. Because, of course, when I was first thrown out of home, I'm like, can I get a job? And I didn't have a national insurance card, so I couldn't really get a job. Well, that, I guess, you know, would be
0: most people's thinking, right, I've just exactly. got to get someone to get a job, I'd, get if, a job. If, if,
1: if I'd been thrown out a few weeks later, at 16, we get a national insurance company uh, card yeah. in the UK, yeah. right? I probably, you know, could have got a job because I have a national insurance card, right? But because I couldn't get a job and I was actually 15 and I was supposed to be at school... You know, this is 20 years ago. Technically, yeah. you kind of get away. A lot of people didn't go to school at that age. Now it sounds crazy that, that would even happen. But, but, you know, equally, you can think back to 200 years ago, 15 years old, you're halfway yeah, you through were, your
0: life. you were down the mines You're halfway whatever. through your life, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, so
1: 15 sounds young, maybe, to the people listening mm. today. But for me, anyway, I, I felt like I'd learned something that school had never taught me, that my parents had tried to avoid teaching me because they saw entrepreneur life as tough. And I felt alive absolutely alive. And then one of the interesting things as well, I think, that I, when I look back, I realise is that we all grow up inside an ecosystem that becomes quite judgmental. So even if I go and talk to my classmates back then and said, you know what, I'm, I'm leaving school, I'm living in a slum, and I'm starting this garden company, they would be like, what are you doing, Simon? You're meant to be a lawyer. You know, like, what happened to this prestigious image that, you know, Simon Squibb image? And they might have judged me, but I didn't see any of them.
0: I was going to say, um, so, did you not feel any pressure to go back to school? No, no, no. I no. mean, I guess you're earning money. At any stage, did you think, well, I want even more or I want this, so hmm. maybe I need to go to school or university?
1: I, I just, oh, I didn't think about any of those things. I just thought about survival. All I wanted to do was get out of the slum I was living in. All I wanted to do was make sure that I could actually eat every day. I mean, I didn't eat for four days. You know, when, when you go through that experience of not eating for four days, you, you feel a few you things, become right? become hungry, right? So, someone, a, a friend I bumped into uh, uh, gave me five pounds, right? Gave me five pounds. Now, people say giving away stuff, you know, shouldn't do it. shouldn't give money to people on the street. You know, you should do, okay. so they're wrong. You know, those people that need help. And, and at that moment, that person gave me five pounds. It literally saved my life. Mm. You know, to them, they would just have five pounds in their pocket. Oh, Sam, so like, you're having a hard moment. Here's, here's a bit of money, right? And so that, that literally meant I could eat. And, but, but for me, I didn't think about... In a way, it was, it was a good thing. I know it sounds kind of like a crazy story now, but you know, for me, at, the mo- at that moment, not having choice was good. The more choices you have, sometimes it can confuse you. And like, you weren't
0: tempted down the alcohol route, the drugs route, or any of I these... I couldn't afford other... any of
1: those things. So, so a lot of my friends, you know, 15, 16 years old, they're saying, come down the pub, Simon, let's go yeah, nightclubbing. Yeah. And... I wanted to go and do those things. Two things um, stopped me. One was I was trying to build a business and build a life, right? And, and the second thing is I didn't have the money. You know, in England, again, the English culture, you go out, if someone buys a round, it's your turn next. Yeah,
0: yeah well, right? if you've and got you know, those morals, it's Yeah,
1: very, but yeah, you feel that way. I felt that way. Yeah, I never no, wanted no, to just sponge off people. Yeah. So, so initially, I didn't go out. And then when I did eventually start like opening up when my business started to work and I started to feel a bit more stable, I managed to get myself somewhere to live. And I felt like I could re-enter society. It was about six months between the kind of the break and that moment. And, and when I went back into the system, I still didn't have a lot of money. So I, I didn't drink alcohol. So my friends would buy rounds and be starting, even at 16 years old, to drink you know, alcohol. But I could ask for a glass of water, and it was free. In England, it's free, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So water is free. And so I would always have water. And I would tell my friends, look, I'm building a business, and I don't have any money. And so, you know, I don't, I don't have the money to buy around, so I'm just going to have water. And I never got into alcohol. I've never drunk alcohol my whole life. It's just one of those things. And, and, I'm, and I, I've seen what alcohol's done to people. That's a separate story. Can, yeah, but I, I feel different. like, I feel, for me, I never needed alcohol to have a high. Mm. I never needed that. So I never got into drinking. And, and partly it's because I couldn't afford when I was young, so I never fell into that. That's another treadmill people fell and fall into. Well, right? this is the
0: substance abuse. Totally, yeah. It's totally, like a, yeah. A, d- a different thing. So, okay, so you... you Built this business up, and then you years later you went went to Hong Kong. And I want to get to the point where you know you 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 built up a a huge digital media agency, and and then you sell it. Yes. Uh, What happened sort of in in that between process? Why did you decide to go to Hong Kong?
1: Yeah, it's um it is a long story, but the the short version of it is I I started this company. I didn't know what I was doing. I made lots of mistakes. Somehow, I started it in the summer, which was really good. And so it just kept it grew and grew and grew. And then the winter came and no one wants to take care of their gardens anymore. Oh, yeah. Of
0: course but how was they. I going to know that? Yeah.
1: I didn't plan out a gardening oh. company. Equally, uh, competition came into the market. And, but basically, long story short, it didn't survive. And so I, at that point, hadn't had the experience of working for someone. Right At that point, I have, now I have my national insurance card. Society kept telling me, you know, it's really hard building your own business and why not work for someone else? So there was a moment there where I said, okay, I'll um, apply for some jobs. So you ah, okay. so, I didn't, yeah.
0: so you went to work for the man, as I call it. <laughs> exactly,
1: yeah, and I think um, I got a job in a hotel, um, and in a really interesting twist, this is 25 years ago, um, about, well, actually, how old are you, Connor? 24. 24, this is 24 years ago, and the reason I asked Connor is 24 years ago is because I went to work for Connor's mother, uh, in a hotel and she was leaving to have a baby called Connor who now works oh with me God. on the Purposeful Project platform. But at that time, 24 three years, years ago, ago, I was like, right, okay, I've got, uh, maybe I'll get a job. And I got a job at this hotel. Um, and, and basically I worked there for three years. Now when working there, I think because i have had experience of my own business, every single week I had a business idea. And one of the ideas that I had while working at this hotel, was something called Accommodation Express. And for the people listening today, you know, depending on what age they are, they might not remember that people used to book hotel rooms by ringing up the hotel okay. and saying, hello, do you have a room available? And I noticed in the hotel that I was working in that people at the reception were taking the phone call. And if the hotel was full, because the hotel was very popular they would just say, sorry, we're full. Almost we're full. proud yeah, of the fact yeah, that are full. That, that line, is And, isn't and it? put the phone down, right? And to me, that was a waste of the marketing money and effort that hotel had made to get that phone call in. They weren't even taking their details, right? They were just like, sorry, we're full tonight. Boom, right? So I created a business where I said to the receptionist in this hotel, look, if someone rings up and says they want to stay here tonight but we don't have a room, then give them my company's number and then we will find them an equivalent hotel room in the area. So, and so there was a lot of hotels in the area that weren't as good at marketing or for whatever reason had people cancelled last minute, maybe had spare rooms. Yeah. And so actually I accidentally created kind of the lastminute.com, rooms.com business model via the telephone. And I built a little business up and that little business made some money. And so I started again to have that uh, a- appetite for, you know.
0: Entrepreneurialism, yeah, There was, a, there was a, you were working for somebody.
1: Yeah, there was a period of time and particularly in the hotel um, and so, you know, a lot of the people that I worked with in that hotel, they became my subrogate family. So, and, and now I'm still friends with these people today because I, I was living in the hotel. The hotel provided accommodation for me and I had a regular income and the people in that hotel, we all became like a family. So for a little while, I was quite content working for someone else. Mm. And I had that feeling of what I missed, I guess, the gap I'd, I'd felt when I'd lost everything previously. And so there was a moment where I was actually content working for someone. But then that entrepreneurial muscle in my brain would not stop working out. And and then I started this business and then I made a little bit of money. And then uh, another, I guess, element of luck. I think luck's key to success in business. Another element of luck that kicked in for me was a very wealthy uh, business person who was living in Hong Kong said, uh, Simon, I really like you. I really like how you work and what you do. Um, Would you like to come and work with me in Hong Kong? And so... Um, At that time, this Accommodation Express business was doing okay, but then I decided uh, I could sell it. I took a little bit of money out, and at that same moment, I had this offer to go to Hong Kong. And so I went, um, and I I, I moved to Hong Kong. My older brother was living in Bangkok at the time, so it was also a chance for me to reconnect with him and be out in Asia and and, and reconnect with my older brother who was living in, in Thailand. And I'd be in Hong Kong, which was only a couple of hours flight away. Plus, I had this opportunity. So, I moved. I just kind of uh, sold everything. Um, I, I had luckily no debt because I really hate debt. So, I never had any debt. debt. I think it's key. So, I could literally up sticks and I moved to Hong Kong. And it was a very interesting time to move there because I moved there in 1997 when Hong Kong was getting handed back to the Chinese. And that was a, a very interesting moment because everybody was leaving Hong Kong. Oh it was a British colony, kind of, right? So, a lot of British people left. So when I got there, that's when I spotted the opportunity to create an agency.
0: So there's a couple of things that you said there that I just want to pick up. Um, I want to pick up on on the debt. You said, you know, the the debt thing Mm. is something that you you don't like. Um, Although, uh, would you say, though, that a lot of entrepreneurs today look at taking out some form of debt to set up a business? And would you advise against that?
1: So this is quite controversial, the debt statement. And I interview on my own podcast a lot of really successful people that will have the exact opposite opinion to me on debt, right? And I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer when it comes to this question. I personally think that debt is a trap. And I see a lot of people, let's say, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22, we all want the fancy car so we get a car we can't oh, afford. Yeah. Or we get a credit card and we buy clothes we don't need. And initially you have that high of owning those possessions, but eventually those possessions own you, Why? I could move to Hong Kong and try this crazy uh, experience, which frankly is what made me successful because I didn't have a monthly bill to pay, right? As soon as I have a car on HP and I have my credit card bills to pay off, who's going to pay these things if I take a ridiculous chance and move out to a foreign country?
0: Right? Do you think that's an age thing, though? So... It was an age
1: thing, but, but equally, my parents, one of the reasons my father, I think, died of a heart attack in part was because he put himself under tremendous pressure linked to debt. Right. So, okay. so they, it's, it's... They, they made their money buying property, mortgaging it to the max, buying another property, mortgaging, mortgaging it to the max. And I think people think, oh, that's really clever. But there's also a moment where, you know, there's no such thing as cheap money. Right? People, the people that are lending you the money are not stupid. Okay? If there was money in home ownership, they would be owning the home. Right, Home ownership was designed to give the banks an opportunity to lend normal people, large amounts of money and put them in a situation where they have to pay monthly and in fact they're working for the banks right? So, do you,
0: do you not think there is a, a place look, I, well, I'm, we're sitting in a rented place sure, at <laughs> sure. the moment so sure. I'm, you know, I'm, and I
1: own my home by the way so I have a reason for the cycle and I think what I'm saying when you're young, what I'm saying is my, my view, my opinion mm-hmm. is when you're young don't get into debt yeah. give yourself as much chance to experience the world, travel
0: Oh, see a, see other cultures. Sleep yeah. on the
1: sofa of a friend in Bangladesh. Yeah. Go and have a week in Hong Kong, with a, you know, meet a friend there. You know, give yourself the chance to experience what's out there because you won't discover who you are if you don't. And what ends up happening, and I see it a lot in, in England, is people born in the town they, they grew up in, they're comfortable and they buy a house in that town and then that house ends up owning them because they've got a monthly fixed cost. As soon as they have a monthly fixed cost, which is quite hard to, to, to reduce... Mm-hmm or increase, but reduce, they then have to have a monthly income, right? And when you have to have a monthly income, starting your own business having freedom gets really difficult, because I can think for myself, for the first you know, two, three months of my business, I wasn't paying myself anything. I was buying equipment. I was, I was hiring people. You know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't paying myself any money, but if I had a credit card I had to pay, or I had, and my credit rating was gonna go to shit if I didn't pay it, If I had these fixed costs that so many people build up, you get to a point where you can't make those freedom choices. So what you end up having to do is wait until you're 40 or later when you finally got yourself slightly out of the debt system to be able to have choices. But by that time, you've wasted 20 years of your life paying a mortgage for a house that could end up owning you. That's just been my experience. But I do think when it comes to business, there is another model that can work, which is if your business is producing cash flow positive, people like Donald Trump, for example, all they do is leverage debt would you want to be Donald Trump? Wow! Well, you
0: know, but, <laughs> no, but, but you know what I mean? Like, live, live that way. I mean, he
1: basically has to sue people all the time. It's a mentality thing. And I think that's why you have think, to come back to your personality. What suits you? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's an interesting one because I got where I got to through properties. Uh, and, and I did invest early, but I never thought, felt tied down at all because mm. I knew I could just up and leave and rent out.
1: Yeah, but but you're, you're buying to rent. That's different. Yes. I'm talking, well, I'm, I, well, I'm doing, I always
0: buy with with the thinking of... Yeah, I'm going to maybe. But you're, living you're creating in England, an asset when you do that.
1: If people, when yes, people, what a lot of people do in England, it's they buy to they, think
0: they're going to live They buy and that. then they live I in agree, it, and they think I they've agree. got an
1: asset. They yeah. haven't. They've got a liability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right?
0: No, no, no. I agree. But, but what I you're talking that. about
1: is very smart. That's very different. You buy a home and you rent it out. That's an income. Yeah. That's an asset. And yeah. If you can, if you can have more coming in than the, the cost going out, that is different. Even then, I do think you have to be quite. Uh, cautious because people stop paying rent, you've got of to pay course, that mortgage. Of Most of the time, people get caught out and they end up having to give the property back to the bank or foreclosure. Or you've they, got to they be, do it You've big. got to know
0: where you go you've got, got, to, to, you got to be very, very sensible. It's a discipline. Basically.
1: In fact, it's a business.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, no, so that, that's business. an
1: entrepreneurial endeavor that yeah. you're talking yeah. about yeah. there. And Make sure you study it because there's a lot of people doing mm-hmm. that entrepreneurial endeavor and you can mm-hmm. get caught out. But I'm talking about what I think is 99% of
0: people.
1: 99% of people that just there's buy There's a bigger live in.
0: debt, though, that's out there, which is going to be quite interesting, I think. And that is young people today. And look, this didn't happen in my age um, because it was free. Going to university, yeah, I, or, I, or higher education, whatever it was called in my day. <laughs> and I think I think I'm a bit older than you, but uh, it, it was free. But I was probably the last year. In yeah. fact, I had to pay um, student loans. But it was it wasn't the whole. It wasn't the university fees. It was uh, for maintenance and things like that. And they brought it in the year I left. Yeah. And now kids are looking at huge. When they come out of university, and I look at that and think, "Wow, it was hard enough anyway when you left sure. to try and find a job.
1: Yeah. We've gone backwards. Let alone We've to backwards. leave
0: with this huge debt on totally
1: your totally crazy." And 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 the thing is, well, first of all, um, you know, I have uh, been proud to talk at places like the Imperial College, and I can see that you know, um, Harvard. There's some institutions out there that are actually trying to help young people. Get knowledge and get access to to knowledge, right? So, but I I feel like, for example, um, someone recently said to me they're going, they can't think what to do. um, So, they're going back to university and they're going to study marketing. And it's going to cost them about £50,000 to do this course and and study marketing. And to me, um, I don't think the university should be selling things like that because I think if you want to learn marketing, like I'm quite big on TikTok, and you can't go to university to learn how to use social media. They're not going to teach you how to use TikTok. Right, I make, I make money on TikTok, yeah. right? and, 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 but they're not going to teach but, but you that. But there
0: are so many different platforms now that you can get free information. Well, you just have to use free them. Free web- webinars, exactly. Yeah, you just have
1: to go and apply yourself. and yeah. be, Like I said, I remember with, even with the gardening company, someone uh, started up to compete against me, and they spent nine months raising money for the gardening company. And then when they actually launched, they bought all this fancy equipment and did everything. But when they went to talk to the clients, when they finally raised the money and had all the equipment, I already had all the clients. You see, so sometimes people are, you go and get a marketing degree, or just go work, Eva, go work. I mean, I don't think you should work for yourself but work for someone else, but you know, go, go work. At least that's better than wasting all that money going to learn something you can just learn by going and doing. But I think just start your own company because, you know, what's interesting is it's about application, especially social media. If some young person comes to you and says, I'm going to get you going on TikTok, you'd be like, all right, sure, I'll give you a go, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, someone knocks on the door now, just like the garden. Nothing's changed. If people ring, ring you up, maybe in Zoom now, but they say, hey, I'd like to help you with TikTok. Let me do it. And if I make it work and then you make money... From TikTok, will you share some of the revenue with me? Yeah, we do it today, right? Yeah,
0: if anyone's out there that wants that, but, but that's <laughs> what I'm saying. That
1: that <laughs> is that is that nothing has changed from my original gardening company model, except the methods in which you reach people. So now maybe you don't knock on people's door, but the same model is so relevant today, and so many young people can just knock on a door and ask instead of going out there and, and and looking for the answer in the education system, which I think doesn't give them the answer.
0: So if if a young person was sitting here today and saying. I, um, I don't know what to do. Should I or shouldn't I go to university? Mm. And look, I can hear parents in my yeah, I ears. I know, me too. I, get I can it. hear I, my I, parents. I have a lot of, parent, in my a lot of parents ears. that don't like me They're saying going, this, yeah. Absolutely, you should better yep. yourself. Blah blah blah. It's a good. They what, say it's a good f-
1: fallback. That's the biggest answer I see. Better go to university because it's you know it's it's a good fallback if other things don't work out.
0: The way I remember it is, uh, go to university. Doesn't matter what you end up doing. It's a passport right.
1: to go up in the yep, world. Yeah.
0: And I look back and look, don't get me wrong, I, I did go to university and had a great three years. Great fun, you know, go to socialise mm, yeah. whatever. You could have
1: that fun not being in university, by yeah, the way. Yeah,
0: absolutely. But do I look back and think, I mean, I did a language degree, so I did spend time abroad, which I loved, and I, and I wouldn't take it back. However, do I actually think that really served me? Well, it mm. served me in growing up. Yes, it served me in meeting people, all those mm. things. But did the actual intellectual stuff that I learned really serve me today? Mm. No, mm. <laughs> no, it didn't. And that, that's, did it that's help the in my I job? Did it say. help me in my career? No. Mm. You, you know, I can't. You know, experience I, is what I did matters, a Spanish and French degree. I mean, right. you know, so yeah. when did I speak Spanish? Yeah. It was great. I, mm. I can speak it and go abroad and, and talk it. But did it help me in my city career? No. Yeah. Well,
1: what you're talking about, in my view, is kind of lifestyle choices. Yeah. Right. I mean. I have nothing against people that have money, that want to go to university, or, and there are certain jobs that you need to go to university for, right? I mean, if you want to be a doctor, I think robots are coming to replace GPs, by the way. That's a separate subject. But, you know, if you want to go learn to be a doctor, you you have to go to university. You have to go through that process, eight-year process, right? I would say if you started to become a doctor today and studied for eight, eight years from now, robots are going to be... Our doctors so that's kind of scary for anyone I think about to go and become a doctor but the point I'm trying to make here is that university suits certain people but as a as a genuine uh, way of building a life I think experience matters more than anything else now you know robots will not have experience as the only thing we're gonna have get, uh, uh, over them right so so experience is so key and and marketing is a good example the only way you can learn about marketing is in real time because it's changing so rapidly. There's so many new platforms. Today, I'm on a new platform called Clapper. Just launched today, brand new, right? You could be a Clapper expert by the end of next week. I could be, I could sell Clapper courses is a new platform competing with TikTok, right? I could be an expert by next week on it and help people get on this platform. There's just so many opportunities, but spending all that money and time sitting in a classroom, learning from people quite often that are looking backwards instead of forwards at how marketing works is a mistake. And I would love for people to spend that money, not on going to university, but building a business of their own.
0: So going back to your time in, um, you built a huge business and a very successful business, Fluid, in Hong Kong. Tell, tell me a little bit more about the, t- the point of exit. Mm. You, you made a great exit to, to PwC. Were you planning that all the time when you, when you built this company? Were you, did you see the exit in mind?
1: So I never planned to sell the company that I started. And when I started it, I, I always start off with what I'm going to enjoy doing. At that point in my life, when I started the agency business, I'd already had quite a lot of experience with businesses, mm. ones that worked and ones that hadn't. But I'd come to the realisation, I'd learned this word purpose a little bit more uh, thoroughly than I think I ever had. Before, it was just survival. Just build something to pay the bills so I have food on the table and have somewhere nice to sleep. And so that, that's it. But I think as I evolved, my entrepreneurial muscle started saying, what's the motivation? And so when I started Fluid, I I actually was motivated by two things. One, I'd met an incredible creative designer. Her name was Helen Griffiths. And when I first met her, I saw what she could create. Mm -hmm. And I was just mind blown because I'm not a creative talent. I'm a marketing person, really, at my heart. But she just created. Someone would say to her, I've got this business and this is what it's going to do. And then she'd create imagery that to me was just, just, it just explained the business yeah. in that in, in, image. In
0: visuals. And,
1: I, and it was like magic. It was like watching Picasso paint, right? And so when I, when I, when I saw what she could do and she was telling me, oh, you know, I'm, I'm working on this, I'm working on that. I'm not really a business person, she said to me, but I love, I love creating. I'm like, I could help you with this. I'd like to help you with this. And I asked her how much she was charging for this logo that she was doing for someone. it just kind of, It was so cheap. And I was like, I can add two zeroes. To the value of what you're you're doing, is worth more, you know. And so um, let me let me let me get involved. And slowly but surely, initially, actually, I just I just invested in her a little bit and, and and helped her with the business. And now I got more and more absorbed into the creative world and how all these wonderful creative people are totally undervalued by the client. And actually, a lot of the time, it's because these creative people are not business people. So I basically started negotiating with the clients on behalf of creative people. And that's how we managed to build up Fluid. And when PwC bought the business, a lot of, when they bought the company from me, I, one of the reasons I think the deal was so good uh, for, for, for me uh, and, and, and was because I didn't really want to sell it. it. I didn't really need to sell it at that point. It was a, a great business. I loved the people in the business. Someone else was actually running the day-to-day operations for me at that point. I'd evolved it. And, and, I, and I was enjoying having that business as a brand, as an asset, as something that had made an impact in Asia at that point. And so I didn't need to sell it. Um, it was an income stream for me. I didn't need to sell it.
0: That's re- it's a really interesting point because I think a lot of businesses, when they start, um, and, and you will know more than me about this, but they almost they plan their strategy before they start. It's like, this is the business. This is how we're going to exit. X, Y, Z. This is how we're going to plan it's it. It's a mistake. Why do you think it's a mistake?
1: Because I think what, what most people are doing is they're building that story to get an investor. And, and so they're not being true to maybe themselves. And the problem with it is if you build a business for an investor, you end up feeling stuck in that business at some point. Because if you don't get an exit, what happens? The investor's unhappy and you feel trapped. right? So the way I personally feel you should build a business every single time is you're not you're, not, you're doing it because you love it. And, and what I've always done, when I don't love it anymore, my exit is not selling it. I, I've had exits, and that's great, but that was never my plan. I think mm-hmm. the reason I've got exits is because I stayed around with the business. I didn't, oh, no, it hasn't sold, so I'm, I'm gonna, what am I going to do now? I'm stuck, I'm miserable, and the business collapses. That happens to a lot of people, right? So I didn't want to sell it, and I think for me, the key was always like, build a business that I loved. And when I didn't love it anymore, the reason I could do 18 companies is I'd then bring in someone else to run it.
0: When you, you mentioned the word purpose, because I think this is linked here, because mm. I think a lot of people look at businesses and they think money, how mm. am I going to make money? That's right. their first thought, right? Yeah. How, is this business going to make money? Yeah. Now purpose, um, and I do a lot of work around purpose as well, sort of, doesn't go against that, but when you feel that sort of deep feeling of, is this my purpose, then is that easy to relate to money or do you, do you even think about the money at that point?
1: You see, money comes when you can be persistent and follow through on things that you're involved in. And the reason a lot of people don't end up making money or businesses fail is because the motivation to be persistent isn't strong enough. So they get tired or jaded or they fall out of love or whatever reason, right? The purpose isn't there. So that's the mistake people make. They think build a business that makes money quite often... Those businesses fail
0: yeah.
1: because they're chasing the money, and you know, it's, I, and that, that that's where that you know. It's, I think it's, that's it's very deep interesting, subject.
0: though, because the word chase—that they're, they're chasing the money—it's like right. if you chase anything in life, right. it runs away.
1: Totally. Right? Yeah. I, I've and never I cared about money. I, I, I mean, of course, I cared about eating and sleeping somewhere. These are the basics in life, right? But actually, every business I've ever built has always been about. You know, when when I was younger, and that person asked me when I was twelve, they said, "You know, what do you want to be when you grow up?" And I said, "I want to be a lawyer," right? That is the wrong question to ask a child, I think, in today's world. I think the question shouldn't be, what are you going to be when you grow up? I think the question should be, what "What problem do you want to solve Ah, in the world? What problem do you want to solve in the world? Because that wakes up something in people's brains. And then, then they start searching for what matters to them. Now, maybe the problem is cleaning up the plastics in the ocean. Maybe you can't do it on your own. So maybe that is a reason to go work for someone else that is doing that. You believe in their purpose, right? That's why a lot of companies today are trying to change their image, you know, and they're trying to say they're purpose-driven because people like Coca-Cola, don't, we don't want to get sued on this podcast, I know, but I mean, they're just selling cans of drink and actually every can of Coke that's produced is taking seven bottles of water away from someone in India, right? takes seven bottles of water, to make one can of Coke. So what's their purpose, right? And that's why less and less people want to work for companies like that. They don't have a purpose. And ironically, you want to build a business, you need still need people. So, so people, you hire people around purpose, then you don't have to manage them. If you build a company around purpose, you can follow through because you get up every day, even when you're having a hard day and you're remembering what the end goal is, right? But if you're having a hard day and there's no end goal, it just feels tiring.
0: When you're talking to a lot of, these, uh, to a lot of startups, do you ever see some of their ideas or how they're planning to do things and you just see this whole sort of, they're just chasing the money, do you ever advise them, look, this might not be the right business for you or Maybe you want to rethink going down this yeah, route. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's an interesting thing because I think every business that I've ever built makes money. I like cash flow positive businesses because I don't need to bring investors in and I can build a business from the cash flow. You have to be patient, but you can do it. I'm not against making money. I think it's good that companies make money and I think it's good that people have a plan to make money. I think sometimes people want to make too much money too quickly or they have, um, you know, agreed mindset, right? So I remember in Fluid the first time we made half a million pounds profit. And I remember having a conversation with Helen, who I built this business with. She doesn't get enough credit. I'm always the one that sounds like I built the business on my own. I built the business with Helen. And I remember when we made that profit, I had a conversation with her. I'm like, Helen, we we just made this profit. Should we just put it in our bank accounts? Maybe we could buy a flat with it and have some income on it. And, you know, I, I had that moment mm-hmm. where I, 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 I'm going to call it a weak moment. And, and uh, she said no, no, why don't we, you know, we, we, we need to get some new computers. Um, I wanted to hire this person the other day, and it's just brilliant. And so why don't we invest in hiring this person? Why don't we buy everybody Herman Miller chairs, which everyone's got a Herman Miller chair. They'll tell you they're ridiculously expensive. So we basically, we, we reinvested all of that money back in the business and made the office nicer and and just created a, a better working environment. And I think that's the reason the business continued to do well. If we've taken the money out and put it in our pocket. So it's about delayed gratification, yeah, right? Yeah. It, it's about... I don't, when I see people pitch, to your question, when I see people pitch, I have no problem with people having a model to make money. What I don't like to see is when people either think that the money is going to come quick or that the money is there to take out. So in other words, they might say to me, Simon, you put a million in and a year from now you'll get a million and a half back, right? I'm like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. sounds good. Sounds like a property flip, right? Yeah. Sounds yeah. good, yeah. but a lot of effort, a property flip, and I know you were in property, but, you know, property flip to me it is somewhat us right? I can go buy a property, I do it up, I flip it, I make money. Okay, I'm sitting on money, but what? What? I'd rather put money into a business, build a brand I'm proud of that yeah. makes a difference in the world. And yes, maybe I don't, I don't need that half a million. I mean, I could buy a fancy car, but within a week that car's going to own me anyway. I'll be scared it's getting scratched or I have to go get it maintained or, I have, you know, this money doesn't bring you happiness unless you're already happy. So I think invest in things that bring you happiness. But I've got no problem with making money. But I do think people should just delay gratification. They should, they should reinvest in it. And if they love it, they will, right? If they don't love it, they want to take the money out.
0: So what did you do with your money after Fluid? Because you must have made quite a lot of money from it.
1: Yeah, I, I had a, a very strange, somewhat crisis, actually, uh, when I finally had a lot of money in the bank. Um, I think what had driven me from 15 mm. to 40 when the money dropped yeah. in my bank account was having no money, in a way. And having you know, that original hunger, that yeah. muscle woke up mm-hmm. in my mind because I had to survive. Yeah, right? you, were,
0: you had nothing, you were on the streets. Totally.
1: Yeah. So I think it's a very hard thing to explain to any of your listeners that, that maybe um, are trying to make it or don't have money. This is going to sound a bit like a oh, typical rich person comment, right? But it, I think it's interesting for people that haven't made it yet to keep this in mind, mm-hmm. that when I actually made a lot of money, in a way for a short period of time, for about a year and a half, I was lost, right? Because I, I always built businesses without a lot of money. I always enjoyed the fight. I always enjoyed the, the hunger of it all. Yeah. And frankly, um, I, I ended up marrying Helen. Um, she was my oh, business partner. Oh, wow. Became,
0: I, I, I just knew you married. I didn't we've know was We've Helen. now been
1: together 20, 22 years. And, um, but uh, she, she actually pulled me aside because when I first sold the company, I still owned another business. And that business was investing in startups, right? And I'd become even more famous in Hong Kong because I'd built this company up and it'd been bought by one of the big four counter companies. I was, you know, I was headlines. I, mean, I was a, a, somewhat of a celebrity in Hong Kong. And so when I, when I, I was at the height of my fame in, in Hong Kong, in Asia at this point. And so when I sold the company, my life quality actually didn't improve. One, I never spent any of the money. because what am I going to spend it on anyway? I just, the money was in the bank account. I, I wasn't used to that much money in the bank. Yeah. So I didn't know what to spend it on. I no longer had the company that I would normally have spent it on. right? So I'd lived the dream, but I actually felt a gap. For the first time in my life, also, I stopped. and uh, I was like, whoa, what am, I, what am I doing? My wife said to me one day, I was, I was going to uh, an event. Uh, I was leaving very early, uh, five in the morning. And, and uh, I was tired. And I said, I'm really tired, but I've got to go do this event. And my wife said, why are you doing this, Simon? Why, why are you working this hard? Right? And, and I said to her, I'm doing it for us. I'm doing it for us. Just like, no, you're doing it for you. Oh. I, I hardly see you anymore. You're always at events, always talking. Doing, you know, I don't see you.
0: What were you trying to prove to yourself?
1: Well, well, this is it. I think, again, something new woke up in me. A new part of my brain woke up that I hadn't discovered before. And that was this reason for doing it. And I realised that ego, yeah. ego had got me. And it was, I used to blame the, the, the need to work that hard on having to make money and survive. And when that was no longer the reason, I had no excuse for it. And I was neglecting my health and I was neglecting my relationship, someone I love very much actually, but I was, I was neglecting her. And uh, we hadn't had a child at that point. I was 40, she was 40. We're like, we're going to have a child or not, you know? And, and that, was, that even crossed my mind. I was just thinking: business, build, 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 survival, grow, brand, build, 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 right? And I, I think I woke up a second time. You know, I woke up when I was 15. I think I woke up again, um, and at that point, I pretty much sold everything and decided to reset my life. And and wow. and that's when um, this new project I'm on now came to me. So you awoke,
0: as, as I like to say. I'm going through it at the moment. That's fascinating. Do you think our society, and I'm saying society, builds us to feel like that? It's this ego-driven yeah. money okay. success. It's all linked. Yes. And working hard. And, you know, we've gone through the stage where I've, I've certainly looked at it, when, when I gave up my corporate job. And it was all about the hustle. You know, that I think Gary Vee's got a <laughs> lot yeah, to, yeah. to thank for that.
1: I and think it's very is, dangerous, if by you're the
0: way, not, that message. Same here. If you're not working 24-7, you're going to be a failure. You can totally. only be a success if you're grinding.
1: It's such a lie. It is a, it's another institutional system lie. And um, I don't use that word um, very often. But you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get is a lie. It's a light, in a way, personified to make people work harder.
0: And yet there's a lot of young people out there that will believe that. I mean, I I believed it, and I'm not that young. (laughs) I believed it, and I'm only starting to try, like you did, uh, try and divorce that sort of feeling that that you're No, This is all in our subconscious. That's part of the problem.
1: You have to recognise that we're breathing and, and thinking right now, doing actions without even thinking about it. And this is instinct, what we're talking about here, right? This is b- bred into us by media, by social media now even worse. You know, as you scroll through Instagram, you see someone's got a Ferrari, Ferrari. At 25. Exa- you're like, yeah. I want that. And you think working hard is going to be the answer. And if you say you're not going to work hard, I'm not suggesting, and I know you're not either, we're not suggesting people shouldn't work hard. No. I, I'm saying, of course, the obvious line is you should work smart. But so many people, all they do actually is work hard.
0: To the detriment of their health. To the detriment of their health
1: and to the detriment of their relationships and to the Uh, detriment of what actually matters. And to me, what actually matters, I think the thing I've realized now is that purpose matters more than anything. And having a purpose is the reason I think that you will get up in the morning and be happy. And if that purpose means that you don't make a lot of money, you know, money only makes you happy if you're already happy. I already said this, but I, I firmly believe it, and that's kind of how I try to Absolutely. explain this point, that a lot of people think if I get money
0: once I get it once
1: I get it and that's the other problem I have with mortgages, people like get into mortgage by sixty I'll own my home and then I can be happy. <laughs> You know, I never want
0: to own any of my homes
1: but, but, by, you know, sorry but, bank but, if you're but, listening. But that's because you're financially literate. This is a, another subject we could probably do a whole show <laughs> on. You but but I, think, I think there's also an element of like mindset. Because, frankly, the people I meet that I admire the most are the ones that say they actually enjoy their day-to-day. Most of the super-rich that I know and have interviewed on my own podcast, they'll never talk about their money. Mm-hmm. Look, In fact, money was like a byproduct of often doing something that they really were passionate about doing, right? And that's the ironic thing. If you chase the money, we said it doesn't arrive, but if you chase purpose, money will come your way. And there's many forms of rich, right? There's many forms of rich. I think a lot of people don't don't register and don't give themselves time to accept that, hey, just having time for me, I, I, I consider just having time with my son to be the most valuable thing I've got. You know, the fact that I can see him this morning, I can take him to school, I can spend time with him this afternoon if I want, you know, I'm rich because of that, not because of my bank balance, you know. Most people say, oh, so I mean, you've actually got money in the bank, that's why you can do that. But you know what, you
0: could do that anyway.
1: A lot of people could do that anyway.
0: Um, Look, talking about purpose, I'd really love to talk about your purposeful project and your mission. Mm. Tell me about this mission.
1: Well, I I basically came out of retirement to uh, help when the... COVID uh, nightmare hit us all, and I saw in a newspaper article how it talked about that a million people in the UK alone were going to be out of work because of COVID, and that actually bed fruit in a recent budget in the UK, 700,000 people who would otherwise be in a job are not in work because of COVID. Plus, I also can see the future and see things like AI, like I mentioned earlier, mm. you know, doctors are going to get replaced by machines. Um, Of course, truck drivers are going to get replaced by automated vehicles. There's a huge wave of um, unemployment coming our way. And so I I feel uh, like I'm not not a doctor, so I can't go on the front line and help in that way, but I know business. Mm. And so my first initial thought when I read that story about all these amazing people that should be in work, I don't want to lose a generation. And actually, I want to help them realise that they don't need to wait for a job. They can create one for themselves. And then reframe entrepreneurship. as not this mysterious, difficult thing to do. But like anything, If you, no one's born a doctor. No one's born a lawyer, right? If you want to become those things, you have to go through a training process. You have to be applying yourself to it. And frankly, there's lots of different types of lawyers. There's lots of different types of doctors. There's lots of different types of entrepreneurs. And mainly we see Gary Vee or Elon Musk and... It's, as normal people, we look at these people and are like, oh, I'm, I'm not that person, I'm so never gonna get I'm that. not an entrepreneur. I'm not an extrovert, so I'm not an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. That's not true. There's plenty of introverts. There are loads introverts. of introverts,
0: entrepreneurs. Exactly.
1: Yeah. You just maybe need to hire an extrovert or bring in a co-founder extrovert. So it's not that you're not an entrepreneur. Everybody who's listening to your podcast today is an entrepreneur. The question is, what type of entrepreneur are they and what training and support do they need to become one?
0: Why do you think then it's so hard for us to become Why, why does society make it so difficult for us to go mm. down the entrepreneurial journey? Well, like you said, <laughs> we're all coming to this stage. Um, the the we,
1: system doesn't want everyone to become an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, they don't. Let, let's be honest.
1: Doesn't. The whole economic structure is. I, I have it all the time. I'm permanently saying on my social media channels, "Don't work for someone. Start a business of your own." Right. And so, and I permanently get comments or oh, Simon. If everyone works for themselves, who's gonna collect my rubbish? Right? Literally, I've had those selfish comments like that. Right? My answer is robots, right? Because a human is too valuable, you could argue. There's so much a human can do. Let's retrain people to do let's forget about money. Let's retrain people to do something they love. Now, if someone loves collecting rubbish, then that's fine, they can do that. Well, I
0: think that's the that's the point, isn't it? It's like Listen, if, if you actually love your job, yeah. you're not saying give no. up your job. No, I'm it's for that. the millions out there that are sitting at their job, totally. probably miserable. Exactly. That are going... Way um, too
1: many like that.
0: Huge. I mean, and a lot no. of people
1: that have a delayed feeling on that too. Mm. So they're in their, I meet so many people, 35, 36, 37, 38, they just literally realised they were on a treadmill and didn't even know it.
0: Oh, I, I, I mean, for me, it was 40. It was, like, it was a cliche. I woke up one day and went, wow. Well,
1: whoa, it's whoa. a cliche for a reason. And I think that, that what I'm trying to do with the purposeful project is help those that presently can't get a job, right? That that's 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 a kind of um, that's a showstopper. Right? Because if you can't get a job, then the system that's designed to say you go to university and then you'll get a job and then over the next ten years you'll play off your student loan and then you can get a house and eventually you'll pay that house off and then sixty five you'll have two happy kids that are in the university themselves and you would you have money in the bank, right? That's the system that's sold to you. But when there's no job, actually again a bit like when I was kicked out at fifteen it just feels like we're in the mate
0: it's like the being but, in the matrix. But, but it is in the matrix.
1: <laughs> it, it it is the matrix. Yes. And I have a whole theory around that, which is going to make me sound completely insane. But, 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 but it is like that. And I think people, people are like drones. Mm. And, and, and we need to see that. If we're aware of that, and then you decide you still want to be a drone, then great. I think, it's, it, for me, it's, um, it's important that people have a conscious decision about their, what they're deciding to do. I don't want people just to go, and go to university because the system tells them that's what they should do. I think people should have conscious decisions. And they don't. They have subconscious. And they're partly brainwashed by parents that were brainwashed, or by the, uh, the media that is designed to you know, commercialise you as a person, right? So, so anyway, I, I started a purposeful project with really one pure aim, to help people learn entrepreneurship, for people to realise that they can learn entrepreneurship. It's crazy to me this isn't taught in schools, and I even think the programmes out there, like MBAs, for example, that are meant to teach you entrepreneurship, nine times out of ten, people that go for an MBA get taught risk. They get taught the problem with starting a business. They get told the failures and case studies of what starts a business, and that's why they go back into the job that they were in before they did the business MBA. Right? Very few actually start a business because all those things really do is teach you about the risk. They don't teach you what I know, which is the journey itself is incredible. It's so much fun to own your own business and do something with purpose and join other people's purpose and help them build their businesses and be a partner in that in that venture and people don't feel it because they've never experienced it because the system hasn't allowed them to learn how to do it
0: you've come incredibly far over this has only been a year what that you've done this since covid
1: yeah pretty much a year. and
0: you're literally all over social media where where are you where can people find out more about you
1: yeah well i i have a website of course um i i've never really cared about personal brand i've always cared about the businesses i've never really Promoted personally, Simon Scrib. I've always felt my businesses were what I wanted to promote and, and I would be the person behind those businesses but I am now building a personal brand because I think I've got a story that hopefully will help a few people so you can catch me on my website simonscribb.com of course you can catch me um, on you can catch our, uh, our, our podcast on the purposefulproject.com So on that platform as well, people can get one-on-one free mentorship. They can get access to our free webinars on how to grow a business, how to start a business. And we have all sorts of live events pretty regularly, almost every day, where we have experts come on and teach different things. Again, all for free. We'll never charge people to help them. And, and I'm really excited about what we're doing. We were just uh, recognised as one of the most popular business car- podcasts in the world. And I'm really enjoying being a part of you know, the podcast community along with someone like yeah, self. I love it. and, and, and it's been really fun, though, to kind of also not just have my opinion on what you could do to build a business, but hear from other people on their journeys and their experiences and learn from other people. Because we all think that our own way is the best way. But there's many different paths to get where you want to be. But you have to know where you want to be.
0: Simon, honestly, I've seen some of your, your stuff and, and the advice and the tips and the practical tools you put out there. And, it, and it's, you put out so much. And you say it's all for free. It's amazing what you're doing. I could talk to you forever, yeah. um, but I have come to my last question, uh, which is, if you were to write a message in a bottle for future generations to find, what would that message be? Can I write two? Oh, go on. You can write I can two. I write two.
1: Okay. Well, um, the practical one um, that I guess could be a, a T-shirt um, kind of concept is, I think, the purpose of life is life with purpose. And if you think about that, it might be you haven't found your purpose yet, but keep an eye out. You've got to be aware. Look out. It's like looking for the love of your life. You've got to look up from your phone sometimes. They might be walking straight by you, right? So that purpose. And then a, a slightly wacky thing um, that I and link back to the matrix um, I have a theory that we are actually living in the Matrix. And for those that haven't watched the movie, we're, we're living in a computer simulation. And it's a fun, uh, my, my version of this is a fun version, right? I think it's fun. Life is fun. This is not some evil uh, computer system, um, but, I, but we are living in a system that's in a way trying to manipulate us. And on a very practical level, the media does manipulate us. Does. Social media, <laughs> by algorithms, is manipulating us. So I'm not, you know, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just showing people that that, that that stuff does manipulate us. And I think we all can recognise that it does. But we are living in a computer simulation. So my, my message in the bottle would be to the future people that would read it, am I right? Is this a computer simulation? And if I'm right, give me a sign. Because then they'll read it in the future. And in the future, someone's created this simulation that we're in right now. So I can go into that whole theory of how that I all works it. another time. But but let's see if anyone replies.
0: I love it. Simon, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. It's Pleasure. been amazing. Thank you, thank you so much for you. having me. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like, and you'll get it straight into your inbox.